We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, who has been running all around Los Angeles this week, getting ready for Spence versus Porter, Fox pay-per-view. It is going to be nuts. It's a crazy weekend. There's also Bellator going down this weekend. UFC has a card. And, of course, the WWE and AEW are gearing up for some huge premieres this upcoming week. So, we have a packed show of combat sports. Dre, I don't know how you're holding it together, man. You you are, uh, once again, the busiest man in media. You know what? I don't even want to talk about me, man. It's, it's so tiring. Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in California right now, and I'm uh, running around crazy, and there's a lot of things that I'm not going to particularly talk about this show that, that I'm dealing with, and I'll talk about next week, um, because then I'll be cleared to talk about it. But I, I will say this. Uh, if you're watching Spence versus Porter... You're going to see something, and you're going to know I had something to do with it. I'll just, I'm just going to say that. And then once y'all put the pieces together, y'all figure out what it is, and we can talk about it next week. So that's been crazy. But I want to know, before we start talking about this show, how is the life at ESPN treating you, big dog? <laughs> Yo, uh, ESPN life, the campus life is cool. Everything else around is still a little hectic. Um, campus life is dope. Once I got past like the training days... And like those two like onboarding days, uh, and I actually got into doing my job. It's it's real cool. It's fun. Like the first day I showed up, they're like, "Oh yeah, what's up? Like here goes all your logins. Oh by the way, we have this brand new MacBook Pro for you." So like they took it out the box and all that. I was like, "Oh, I was like, yeah, I can't wait to get a Mega Man sticker for this." 
So um, <laughs> I'm thinking about just nerd shit. And then I was wearing my like Shawn Michaels t-shirt. So people were like, yo, you're a wrestling fan? I was like, yeah. Um, and then it was just meetings, yo. I, it's crazy because we've been doing the show for five, five years. And Damn, it's been that long? Yeah, you, you've always had these like kind of, you know, big corporate jobs or whatever. Um, and you've always done this. You've been lead editor, you know, here, there, blah, blah, blah. And I listen, I'd be like, okay, cool. You'd be like, yo, I'm doing meetings for this. Or, you know, I have all this stuff coming up to fights. You do pre-production stuff now. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, I didn't understand how much goes into it <laughs> until like the past three days. <laughs> yo, I told you. I was literally running around campus, yo, like booking it between meetings. Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Uh, I got today off because of the fight this weekend. So I'll be uh, working a fight this week on Saturday. So I took today off um, to get my hours and everything kind of coordinated to work. So I was like, all right, cool. I, I just After yesterday, I was like, yo, I had four meetings in a row in the span of like three hours, four hours. Like, it's banana. I still don't know where I'm going. So then I still got to like learn and make sure I'm not like super late as I'm navigating the campus. And yeah, it's just, it's it's a blur right now. That's the that's the best way I can describe it. I still it hasn't hit me that like yo I'm working on the ESPN campus because as soon as I started working it was just like nonstop. So uh, that's dope though. I can't can't wait to you know get everything done and I got a couple more training courses tomorrow and more meetings and once we can get this like week or two worth of meetings behind me I can start building out my schedule and going to fights and running around like you do and you know, trying to be backstage and get content and develop all these strategies and, and whatnot. But it's it's really an adult-ass job. That was like the first thing that hit me. I was like, yo, this is like a real adult-ass job. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind, you know, the corporate aspect of doing things before when we were just like gorillaing this shit before. I was on BSL. I was like, yo, I just run around with my phone, get videos, cut them up and put it out there. On a corporate level, there's so much more planning that goes into it. I'm planning for fights a month and a half from now, so it, it's bananas. Yeah, see, I think a lot of people, when I tell, told people, like, there's two things. One, uh, when you get on the more, the, like, the bigger, big business, you work at these corporate companies, um, you start to realize that there are more meetings than there is work getting done. Um, and I'm not saying that to, like, it's not even a joke. It's for real. Like, you will end up in so many meetings that you're just like, dude, when do I have time to work? And it's the reason why for me, like when they when I got hired by the zone, I didn't want to move to New York because I was like, I'm not going to get anything done because all you're going to do every time I go to New York, I'm in meetings all day. And I'm just like, yo, when do I get to do the work? And it's like, do I do it when I go home? But dude, when does the work stop? So it's different. It's different levels to this. I'm glad that you are getting this opportunity now. Like. And this big job, it's just, it's different. Everything's different. But then, you know, you have cool things. You have like a corporate account or whatever, they, whatever, they, whatever, like getting the MacBook, for instance. Like, that's like the cool thing. It's like, oh, I get a free computer. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's a different world. It's a different world where you are right now. But um, I was just curious, man. You know, you're gone. Um, I'm in L.A. right now. You're in, are you, where are you, in Hartford? Is that where you're at now? Yeah, I got a loft in Hartford because I needed to be like in the city. So I'm uh, downtown Hartford. The loft is dope. It's like the exposed brick and everything. It reminds me of uh, like old school shows in New York or even like when I watch New Girl or The League or anything. And they got like those dope ass inner city lofts. I got one of those. So it's cool. Ain't shit in it yet. My stuff still hasn't come across country. 
But uh, <laughs> when that are you at the hotel still then? Are you at the hotel or, you, or what are you doing? No, I'm uh, I'm at the crib now. So I got the keys on Wednesday. So we were here Wednesday night. We went to Walmart. We got an air mattress, and mm-hmm. we've been using our phones for Wi-Fi and just like using our computers. If we got to work, uh, like today I was off, had to do some work, and we got to record this. So I came downstairs to the lounge area, like the little communal lounge area to take the Wi-Fi so I could do this. Um, Elena's been working from down here for her job. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it's just a big empty apartment still. But once our stuff gets here and they put everything away, because movers are going to unpack that shit, which is dope, and then put up my TVs and all that stuff, be good to go and kind of back to normal. But yeah, it's just, it, it's been it's been wild. That, not knowing where anything is, like I don't know the streets, I'm Google mapping everything. It's just the little stuff that's so, so wild with being in a, in a new place. But the perks and everything, like, honestly, it's all worth it to just have ESPN in my bio. Like, that's, yeah. it sounds stupid, but that's like some wild shit. Like, I just never... Like, I always knew that I wanted to get here. I always knew and thought that I wasn't going to get here. But as soon as the shit's in my bio and no one's telling me to take it down, it's real. Yeah. I mean, like, when I worked at BET, it was like, all right, you know, I'm here now. And this is, like, like this is what I do. This is, like, where I work. And, it, and from that point, I'm not going to say you can just virtually get any job. But it carries more weight than anything else that you've kind of done. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it was, like, the Viacom network. And it was like, all right, well... I can pretty much go anywhere, but obviously what you'll find out is like it's more about the people that you're about to meet. You're about to meet about to meet and befriend a bunch of people. You might hate some motherfuckers. That shit happens too. But <laughs> it's all about the people that you meet and the relationships you form, man. So it's like I know it's like it's weird because we're like doing this podcast and we're having this conversation with each other and people are like, All right, get on with the show. No, I, I you know, I haven't talked to him all week. <laughs> <laughs> crazy man yeah no but it, it definitely is and just walking by on campus and getting an intro to the, these people and even like in the boxing circles like you would think we know and mma circles like we know so many people from covering fights but even then it's just our like journalist circle so right. there's so many people on the back end like editors and you know head of digital i met at espn and all these things it's like yo i don't know any of these people but for me, like, we had a ton of, I had a ton of connections, which has helped me get to this point. But there's, a, like you said, just a ton of other people to meet. And all the people you name, you're like, yo, I you know I have to talk to this person from PBC or this person from Fox. And you have sit down meetings with all these people. I'm like, shit, I got to meet all those people too. I was on a top rank email like two days ago. They're introing me to top rank executives that I have to work with now. So that shit is just, yeah, whole different levels of crazy, but it's, it's nice. It's better than I would say seven years ago when I was trying to, (laughs) you know, claw and fight and be like, no, I swear to you, I write real articles for black sports online. Like if you type in my name, that shit might say for the bros, but I promise you, I'm going to cover your event like a true journalist. So like fighting with people for credentials is no longer a thing. And uh, being able to get any interview I want is fucking crazy. But, yeah, man, it's it's definitely a, a good position to be in. And then now it's just hitting the ground running. Like, it's it's easier to get here than it is to stay here. Yeah. Because yeah. there's always someone else. Um, especially, and we talk a lot about, you know, minorities in journalism and everything and how... 
there's not a lot of people that look at look like us in the spaces we are. So when we do move up, it's equally as important for us to hold on to this shit so that they know yeah. they can hire five more of us. Because if we fuck yeah. up, then the next one will be hired 10 years from now. Like, so, you know, you being lead editor, I, I can't tell you how many times, like, just in random conversation, even during this interview process, where I'm like, yeah, nah, my co-host Andres Hale, who's, you know, this at Sporting News, the, you know, senior editor at Sporting News, and he tells me, blah, 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 and I'm just mentioning it in conversation. And they're like, oh, okay. But I'm sure that goes, like, a long-ass way, where they're just like, oh, he knows this higher up guy who's doing very well. And just in the matter of company, this guy can't be a complete fuck up. Right. So <laughs> like, it, it's one of those things like, okay, cool. Now someone is interviewing for something be like, I know Kel Dansby at ESPN, all this stuff. And like, okay, this guy can't be a horrible human being. So it, it's important for us to hold these high ranking jobs and positions. So yeah, now, now it's just, you know, earning the spot and staying here. But now this shit's fun and it's going to be cool. And now instead of seeing each other in Vegas, in which we'll still do, do that because there's a ton of fights, but we're going to get to see each other a ton of places because you used to go to New York. And I'd be like, oh, Dre's yeah. gone for a week and a half. I'll see Dre in a while. But no, it's like, cool. We're going to be everywhere at the same damn places. Yeah. It's, it, for those of you who, I mean, I know some of you guys are new to the show. I know you guys maybe follow us for a couple of years. Over the past five years, I guess you've been able to go along for this ride, man. Like, I think five years ago, man, I don't even know, where was I working five years ago? Five years ago, you were at Yahoo. Okay. Under IO. Yeah. So I was doing, I mean, I was like doing freelance. I was doing freelance everything. You know, I I mean, and you you were at BSO. Yep. And now we've got corporate jobs and um, at rival company networks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> where people don't necessarily like each other like i hear espn man here's the greatest thing about all of this and then we'll get on with with the show itself the greatest thing of all of this is like i go to dinner with certain people at pbc fox um you know when i'm with the zone or with i'm with espn or like anybody and there, like there's this perception of this rivalry between networks and at some levels there are but there's so much bullshit that's in between like like some of my the people that I, I like the most are at PBC, right? Like, or like some of the people that I work with the best are at like boxing scene or at another outlet. And it's like, and I feel like that happens with like other promotions, like pro wrestling promotions or UFC and Bellator. Like you have friends that still work where you're at, but it's like they're supposed to be rivals. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? This ain't West Side Story. We're not like <laughs> a gang. I don't know what we're supposed to do with this shit. But like last night, I'm having dinner with PBC and some guy's like, oh, the zone in PBC. I was like, no. Just homies having a conversation about y'all asses. But now I know. understand what it's like for like Xavier Woods and Kenny Omega though. Yeah. Where you look the They're whole not time supposed and to be, be like, friends, but yeah, be like, no, no, we're friends. Like they go to gaming conventions and they're gaming against each other and like they're just genuine ass friends. But it's like, yeah, we're in rival promotions. Like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, my boss is trying to crush your whole company. Yeah. But that's like, what our boss is doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, no, but, but yeah, we're still going to do a podcast. Yeah, sure. So many people ask me about the podcast this week too. And they're like, oh yeah, we heard you got a show, a podcast on set. Like, yeah. They're like, we heard it's pretty good. Like, yeah. They're like, are you, are they letting you do it still? And I was like, yes, it's the only thing I asked for. Yes. They caved on it. They're like, oh wow. I was like, yeah. Like what the hell am I going to say on my show? Like, no, I, I think we're okay. I was like. 
We're not going to trade insider secrets over the air on our show. Yo, what a show that would be. Listen, if we had a show where we just sat here and was like trading company secrets and like things that happened behind the scenes, like our dealings with Golden Boy and y'all dealings with Top Rank, man, y'all would love it. It'll never happen. Maybe if after we both leave our respective companies, we'll do an entire show just trashing our old companies if it ever came to that. But, man, that would be an interesting concept. I, I don't know, man. I can't think of another podcast. That's real pro wrestling. That's like the Bischoff podcast. Yeah. I can't think of, of another podcast, maybe even combat sports or anything for that matter, where two guys who had rival networks both leave the network and just trash the companies that they're with and just give up all the secrets. It has That'd to be, be that 83 Day shit, right? Like when it was Bischoff and... With 83 weeks? But, I mean, still weeks, correct, like, though. It's like, like Conrad. if Conrad's not with any company, that's true. Like, if, like I'm with the zone. But if you did Conrad and Pritchard together on the show, or excuse me, Pritchard and Bischoff together before Pritchard went back to WWE, then you get WWE and you get WCW, and that would have been the dynamic. Yeah, and they, but been crushing it. They had to be friends. That's the other problem. Yeah, like, no. you just you're like <laughs> we're actually we're actually we actually like each other outside of this podcast. So, which know. is rare in podcasting, you know. <laughs> I feel like it's us, like Jesus Samero, and that's it. Yo, so many other podcasters hate each other. I was like, yo, I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do. It's like me and Dre have been. We've literally talked to each other every single week at least for five years. That, and that's more than like some of my best friends, for real. But oh, th- that's real. I'll go months without why talking we're to best friends. <laughs> so just, yeah, exactly. Like it, it's so wild. So yeah, nah, man, it's it's crazy to see the development of life for five years. But yeah. So now uh, you're at, perched at the top of combat sports and sporting news, and I'm working my way up at, at ESPN. So nah, it's, it's fun. It's only going to get better going forward as well. And now we can get into the normal-ass show. Um, before we start talking about all these wild-ass combat sports, because we got a huge fight to dive into, there's just a couple things on social media that we have to touch on, like we do at the beginning of every show. One thing being, and I've been so detached from social media, it's been crazy, and that's mostly due to lack of internet and lack of Wi-Fi. I forgot how much Wi-Fi lets me search Twitter all day. So when I did like chime in and look at the Twitter thing, one thing that popped up was the Emmy Awards. And those just passed, and more so concerning us in this show was Jarrell Jerome winning the Emmy. Yeah. Which Call is me. super dope to see. <laughs> Yeah, but when they see us, didn't win. No, it didn't. I can't even remember what it lost to. Uh, I feel like it lost to Fleabag, but everything lost to Fleabag, so I don't know. And you know what? I'm one of those guys immediately because there was people that was like, ah, Fleabag. I've heard Fleabag is amazing, and I'm going to watch it. It's been in my queue for like months. That's your thing, though. Anything that wins an award, you go and watch. That's You're that guy. I, see, the thing is, I'm this, I'm that guy because there are a lot of people that dismiss shows. They go, oh, it's because it's white or whatever the case may be. If something wins, I need to find out why it won, and I'm going to watch that show. Like I'm a, like I'm a consumer. Like, you're I a consume, critic. Yeah. That's what you. You're yeah. a critic at heart. And whether I it's music or movies or whatever. I, I don't believe in cri- criticizing something that you've never watched or never heard before. So that at anything, if whatever it is, whether it's a rival wrestling promotion, whether it's a sport, whether it's Whatever it is, I feel like you should always find out why that thing won so you can develop your own opinion and not dismiss it because you're like, oh, it's a white person show. And that's not the case. 
And I'm about to watch this Fleabag show, and then I'll be back in a few weeks to talk about it. I know there's people that have seen it and said it's amazing. And I've got friends who've got good taste in TV and film that was like, this is an exceptional show. I like the concept behind it. It actually seems like a show I can get into pretty easily. So um, I, I really want to catch up and actually dive into that. So I'll probably be watching it around the same time you are. One show I, to not go off on a tangent, that I haven't been on that people have been talking about is like the drug dealer show. Which one? Snowfall? Snowfall. Woo, buddy. I don't even know what channel that comes on, but people are FX. loving this shit. FX. Okay. FX has been killing the game. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I got to look into Snowfall. What is it? Season two? So I might as well. Season, no, I think, what are we? One, two, are we in three? Three. I think we're in three now. Yeah. I don't um, want it to get too far ahead of me because then I'll never no. jump in. But So I got to like catch it now while I'm still kind of early in the game. Yeah, it seems so. It's one of those shows, and I hate to do the comparison to Breaking Bad. It's another show you haven't watched, but I hate to do the comparison to Breaking Bad because um, they're different shows. But the first season of both shows is laying groundwork. When oh, I first watched God. Breaking Bad, I can't like get I watched into it with that. Yeah, it's like the first season of Breaking Bad. It wasn't bad. It picked up towards the end, but you're like watching. You're like, all right, all right, what is this about? And as it's laying the groundwork, you start to recognize, like, oh. Oh, oh, and then by, by the time you get into it, like, you got to lay that groundwork. Um, Snowfall was very similar in the, in the fact that the first season wasn't, it was, it was, uh, it's like 50-50 criticism, like, and I thought it was okay, and I, and I fell off for a while, I started watching some other stuff. Then I picked back up on season two, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, shit, like, it's phenomenal. Snowfall, like by the time you get into the third season, it's like this is an excellent show. And people are like comparing it to power. No, fuck that. Power's not even close to this. <laughs> power is ridiculous. Like, power, like I've been watching this this season of power and I binge watched it the other night and caught up. And I'm not gonna give away spoilers because I know some of y'all haven't caught up to it because there's just way too many things to watch on TV. But there's just no semblance of reality in power. There's just like no matter what Tommy does. They're still after Ghost. And it's like the weirdest thing in the world to me of how they handle business. And these are the dumbest cops ever. And <laughs> things that just happen, that's just, just like, they, that would never happen in a courthouse. Or that would never happen in a penthouse apartment. And anybody that's watching knows exactly what I'm talking about. Things just don't happen. Like, it's like watching Empire. If any, for those of you who watch Empire, like at a certain point, it just jumps the shark. And it's just dramatic for the sense of being dramatic. And it's not like good storytelling anymore. But Snowfall is excellent. By the way... When They See Us Lost to Chernobyl, which is an HBO show, another show which I heard was excellent in my queue that I need to watch. But that's the show they lost to an outstanding limited series. Okay, yeah, because it was qualified as a limited series. So a whole different, yeah. whole different bracket of awards. Um, no, Jarrell Jerome winning was dope, though. Uh, the Dominican flags were out everywhere. And I feel like, you know, this is a good time for the Bronx. So I'm, I'm always happy to see someone else from the Bronx winning in life. So... That is super dope. Um, the last thing to touch on that I saw, which has been in our group chat, our uh, group chat with all of our crew in it, was, Dre, why do they keep remaking, why do they keep remaking all of these 90 movies? They're lazy. Are um, we out of ideas? Do they need you, know, you to pen a script? Is it time? Because I do not need to see every other day it's been a different movie that never has to be touched again. That is, quote unquote, in the works. So, yeah, because some of those things won't come to fruition. So here's my issue. Like, so the two movies I know that are in question uh, were New Jack City and House Party. Yep. Which you can't now, remake. No. Like, one, 
if you're going to remake House Party, it's not the same. It's not like who the fuck has House Parties, first of all. Second of all, the thing that made House Party House Parties because it was the 90s, the early 90s, and like high top fades were in and House Parties were in and DJs were in. There was no cell phones. Like there was just people having a good time. And you can't really recreate that because now there's cell phones and now everything's different. Like how we even communicate with each other is different. It's just a different movie. So how about you not call it House Party? That, I don't know why it's so difficult for people. Why don't you make a movie? Maybe you were influenced by House Party, but don't call it House Party. Work, Same with New Sex City. We already have that. It's Project X. Sure, it's a bunch of white kids, but that shit was dope. Yeah, Project just, X is House Party for people in 2010. Yeah. Like, like you don't... Driving a well, car into the pool, stealing drugs in a gnome. Like, Project X was super dope. It, it didn't have to be called House Party. Or, you know, they didn't try to gentrify House Party. Like, it's okay. And, like you said, it's such... House Party, to me, is harder to pull off even than New Jack City. Because New Jack City is like the telling of a story in an era. You can kind of do that. House Party was just telling exactly what was going on at the time. Yeah. So you weren't reminiscing on anything. You're like, no, this shit happens every day, every weekend, right where you are. You just don't know about it, so we're gonna glamorize it. And then, and then the other issue is like the dancing, right? Like, who the hell dances at a party in 2019? They do no dances, one. sir, but they don't do any dances you find appealing. No, but I mean, yeah, there's just I'm just saying it's not like they're not battle dancing like they did at house party. It's no. not it's not that type of party anymore. No. It's different. So it's like between that, and then they're like trying to redo set it off, and I'm like, no, leave that one alone. Like, if anybody knows me, I'm a big set it off fan. There's two movies that I that I have undying love for from the 90s that I don't think got enough shine. One is Set It Off, and the other is Fresh. And leave those movies alone. Just let them be. God, our like, underrated 90s movies are so different. But what is yours? <laughs> mine, mine aren't as like cool and refreshing as yours. Mine is, uh, I feel like Baps is wildly underrated. <laughs> yeah, I watch Baps every time it comes off. People say what they want. That might be my favorite Halle Berry movie. And yes, I've seen Monsters Ball. I don't give a fuck. Baps is that dope to me. Um, so, so Baps was super cool. And, oh, man. I got to think of another one. Like, Baps just took over my whole conscious stream of thought. But yeah, Baps does not get the, the play that it should. Oh, and not House Party, but the other joint we can't play. Why is it coming? Class Act? Class Act. Thank you. Class Act might be, but no one mentions Class Act in the same breath as House Party. No. It has the backseat, and to me, it might be just as good, if not funnier. Like Popsicle, Popsicle was hilarious. Yeah. Them coming through, they're doing the switch. Old girl from Fresh Prince was in there. Yo, Class Act was fire. But see, the whole point is, like you mentioned, these movies are built on memories, right? And then when you watch them, they take you back to that time period. If you remake it, what are we doing here? Like, why? What do we? What do we need to remake New Jack City for? What do we need to remake? Set, just make? Did they just do set it off and call it Widows? Like, why are y'all gotta keep <laughs> remaking these movies? Like, leave them alone, man. It's because there's no culture now, and that's the that's the biggest example you can have of what used to be hip hop culture. Not being that anymore. Now it's commercialism. Because we can't even draw on movies from it. So, yeah, it's just, but that is what it is. Like, hip hop, what is hip hop culture now? 
Like, what are they doing? Are you going to do a whole movie on a SoundCloud rapper? Maybe. Like, that's just not even 8 Mile. At least 8 Mile had battle rap. And Eminem, it made you feel like, okay, early 2000s. Like, early 2000s even had a swag. Like, now there's, there's nothing culturally relevant today. Not in hip-hop. Maybe you could do some wild, like, EDC type shit in a movie. But you can't do hip-hop. Like, that's... Post Malone's the biggest hip hop artist damn near in the world. He just had like life is beautiful. People going crazy. I was like Post Malone. I mean, you know, your age is kind of shown. Like when, you, when we start talking like this, it kind of just shows like, you know, once you reach a certain age, you start reminiscing on the old stuff and you don't really appreciate the new stuff. Not saying the new stuff is great, and not saying everything old is great either, because there's a bunch of old shit that's terrible. Yes, I um, lived through the Laffy Taffy era. Yeah, so th- there's that. But I think it's I think. Everything is kind of important. Like, if, imagine remaking um, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, the Public Enemy album. You can't do that. It was a sound. It was a time. It was to a be period fair, piece. This is a great. This is a great political climate to do so. But no, it is, I mean, but you wouldn't call it that. No, you, know you, you can't like, call it that. You'd call it To Pimp or Butterfly. Or some, any, <laughs> like, I'm just saying, you would call it yeah, something. Yeah, like, like that's, that's the cultural equivalent lately of that style of music. Like before we move on to combat sports, I, I need I really want to know, and I'm putting you on the spot here. What is the, the a remake that you thought was better than the original? Better? Yeah. Fuck. Um. I don't. I don't know if you can go better than the original. Like as good as the original, maybe. I, that's even tough. Because I'm. I'm trying to think. To me, it would be an action movie. Um, Jurassic Park was iconic for when it came out, though. So these new Jurassic Park movies don't even match it. Even though I, I don't find them as bad as other people. Like, I, I don't mind the new Jurassic Park movies. Um, so when that one, the first one came out, not this trilogy, yet, but like the first one came out with Pratt, I thought that was cool. Uh, I would say the Batman trilogies. But do Is comic he- books count? No, because they're not even remakes, right? Like, set it off being, like, Batman, but, it's like a different universe, right? Like, they've reiterated Spider-Man like 10,000 times, it feels like. Yes. And with a different words count. of story. So it's like, for me, if you can't do something better than the original, I think you need to leave it alone. That's my point. And, like, the, like one of my favorite movies that got translated and I thought could have been good, but it just wasn't because you got to leave it alone, is Old Boy. Like, I love the film Old Boy, the Korean film. And when Spike Lee did the ad- that American adaptation of it, and I went and saw it, and I was like, he ain't need to do this shit. <laughs> like, I watched it, and I was like, it's just unnecessary. I'll just watch the original. I can't, and if any of y'all listening have a, a remake that's better than the original, y'all let me know, because I don't know what it is. Yeah, better, better is so tough to think, because the originals are so good. I would give you one movie that's not better, but equally as good, and it's a movie I really like, and people are going to be like, yo, you're a weird dude. But The Producers. The producers okay. was really good, and the original, obviously, with uh, Gene Hackman was incredible. But Matthew Broderick, and then they had, um, man, just so many people. Uma Thurman, the remake of The Producers was just as good as the original to me. And maybe old people, older souls, would be like, that's blasphemy. But I think it was just as good, and I really like both of them. So the producers would be my one. Okay. Outside of that, I mean, no, nothing else. Like, 
literally nothing else can come to mind because everything else was just so good and iconic. Like they want to redo uh, what's the drawing of Andre the Giant, the Princess Bride. Yeah, come on, man, leave that one alone too. Like for for what? Like leave all of that where it should be. I don't need remakes of any of that. Um, I really don't need remakes of the stuff that I liked as a child, which that bothers me more than even like New Jack City remakes. Like, don't start remaking my childhood stuff. Like, don't come out like, oh, the Power Rangers movie. That was probably a really good remake. That reminds me. I lie. The the new Power Rangers movie was as good as the other one, the first one. I still didn't see it. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, it's not like highbrow Oscar nominated. (laughs) But if you want, it actually has some depth in a Power Rangers movie. So, yeah, outside of that, though, nah, man, they can stop with these uh remakes we're, we're good time for original ideas and for us it's time for combat sports like we said to start off the episode you are in la spence versus porter i feel like they've been on this media tour run for three months now they every, really have every like three weeks they pop up and they do another media event so i'm glad that finally the fight is here and we can break down the fight itself are you giving Porter, and once again, you're close. You're, you're right there. You're seeing all of this. But breaking down the fight, does Porter have a chance to win? Yeah, he's got a chance. Um, you better so it, right. it's, uh, it's, I mean, I don't, I'm not picking Porter to win, but there's a couple of scenarios here that I think are very intriguing in this fight. Um, Sean Porter has the better resume than Errol Spence, hands down. Definitely. Like, by a country mile. Kell Brook, uh, we have, well, no, I guess Kell Brook, Keith Thurman, whatever we think of Keith Thurman now. Broner. Danny Garcia. Yeah, Danny Garcia. Broner, Danny Garcia, Yodenis Ugas, um, Andre Berto, Pauli Malinaji. Like, he's, he's fought a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. when you look at Spence, it's like Kell Brook and Mikey Garcia, who was very small. Who was pound he, for pound, though, but yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people give Errol more shit than I do because they say, oh, he's tiny, but he shut him out. It's still an impressive feat, but yeah, he was fighting the guy who was two weight classes below him. So Porter has a better resume. And the only reason I use this is because Porter has proven that he can take a punch. Keith Thurman couldn't put him down or hurt him. Danny Garcia couldn't put him down or hurt him. Broner caught him late in the fight, and that's when Porter got lazy, but he popped right back up. He just kind of caught him off balance. So Porter has proven he can fight 12, three minutes, 12 rounds, 36 minutes. He'll fight every single minute of the fight. What we haven't seen out of Errol Spence is him having to come from behind in any fight. And I'm curious if Sean can get off to a fast start and take a couple of rounds, how does Errol react? That's, that's the most intriguing thing. That plus, as anybody knows that follows boxing, Errol Spence is a big guy. And this weight cut gets harder and harder from every time. So when you got a guy that's going to be in your chest for 12 rounds, if, if, dude, if Sean Porter tries to box, he's going to lose. He needs to go out there and try to mug Arrow. But if, if uh, maybe it wears on him. Maybe Arrow gets tired late. I don't know if that happens. But I think Sean's got a better chance than anybody else. And we're about to see how good Errol Spence is. Yeah, I mean, Sean's tough, right? His best quality is his toughness. 
he's going to be there. I I do not expect Sean Porter to be knocked out by Errol Spence. I don't expect him to be stopped. If Errol does that, color me surprised. And, and this guy is, I say all the time, talent-wise, I think he's the number one pound for pound. Resume, he obviously isn't there, right? If he stops Sean Porter, man, he's, he's climbing the pound for pound rankings quickly. Just because that's how much I think of Sean and his toughness and his ability as a fighter to be resilient and to go the full 12. He, he's just not a guy to me that's just going to be stopped and taken out of there. And I expect this to go the full 12. But if I, I went back and I watched that Keith Thurman fight, and it's just like Keith Thurman outclassed him until Keith got tired and then Sean came back late. But when they were both fresh and it was early, one of the guys was playing chess, the other guy was playing checkers. Yeah. And Errol Spence is better than Keith Thurman. By, this is true. By a good way. So if you can turn it, you, you said it though, if you can turn it into a chess match, it's Spence all day. If Sean Porter can pick up the board and hit Spence over the head with that shit, then the, the fight leads to our Sean Porter. Because that's, that's what he can do. He can make stuff ugly. He can make stuff grimy. He'll be in the chest and throwing hooks and, and no slick, weird angles. No, he's just going to walk you down. Sean Porter's my equivalent of Justin Gaethje. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Where styles make fights, and if you're the wrong technician and you let his ass walk you down, it's going to get real ugly real fast. It's but true. You don't want to do a chess match. Like, they're not there for a chess match. Yeah, this is, I mean, look, I'm, I don't think Spence is going to stop Sean as well, but I do think there's one interesting aspect in this fight. Because I talked to Sean this week, I mean, I talked to Sean a lot the past few weeks, but Errol I talked to this week, and Errol keeps saying it, and like he said it again yesterday. He's really he he's like promising he's knocking out Sean Porter. Like he's not even playing anymore. Cause like I was with him, if, if anybody remembers, like I rode with with Errol around the Mikey Garcia fight, and Errol never said he was gonna stop Mikey Garcia. All Errol really talked about was like y'all keep saying I can't box. I'm gonna prove to y'all I can't I can box. So in a way, I, I've always thought that, yeah, Errol did kind of let Mikey off the hook. He wanted to outbox him for 12 rounds, and he pitched the shutout. This time around, all Errol keeps saying is, I'm knocking out Sean Porter. And so, like, the other day on Tuesday, uh, it was me, like him, Derek James, um, Lance Pugmire, and maybe, like, one other writer. And we were just talking to, to Errol, and Errol was just like, listen, guys, I, you know, I, was like, I don't know how many times I'm going to tell you all this, but I'm going to knock Sean Porter out. I'm gonna, he was like, I'm going to knock him the fuck out. I've, I've never really hear, heard Errol talk like this. And the thing that makes me think about, like, he says, two, he, there's two things he said. One, he's like, Sean gets hit a lot. He's not that hard to find. He's kind of right. Sean is there to get hit. The other thing that he alluded to in my other interview is that he talks about Sean's never really been hit to the body. Now we're talking. If Errol can dig to the body, this fight can get really interesting. I'm curious. Can Errol dictate? Can he hurt him? I just there's a part. There's also that part is Errol a little bit too arrogant, and is he coming to this fight thinking he can knock him out, and then he finds out he can't? What happens? It's I don't want to make this comparison because the guy I'm about to make the comparison to is older and just different, and you won an Olympic silver medal. But is Errol Spence Gennady Golovkin in some ways? A guy who didn't didn't have like he he was mowing down his competition. And he would beat some world champions. That's what Gennady did. Then when he got in there tough with Danny Jacobs, he just got by. 
and everybody thought he was going to murder Danny Jacobs, and that did not happen. Does that happen to Errol Spence against Sean Porter? I, I can see a lot of similarities between the fighter and the type of fighter Jacobs is and Sean is. Um, I, I feel like they're both that, that tough style where you hit them with your best and they don't go down, and then that tests you as much as anything else. Because you're like, shit, everyone else has dropped off of this. But this guy's still here. And to me, with Golovkin and, and Jacobs, that took a toll on Golovkin in that fight. Even more so than Canelo fights. I thought the Canelo fights, he thought he was winning. The Jacobs yeah. fight, at, at that point, he didn't know what the hell to do. He didn't know if he was winning or not. I think he got that by like a round. So, yeah, yeah I can see it being that close. I, I, I don't see how Sean wins. But I can see him making it that close, similar to how Jacobs did with, with Triple G. I, I, I can see him being that close and that into the fight, and this being Spence's toughest fight. Spence's confidence that he can knock him out, I, I would need to ask him why. And that's something he can't answer until after the fight, because he can't give you the holes that he sees, right? You can't give right. away the game plan, but I don't see it. So if him yeah, and his camp sees holes that I don't, I would love to know it. Because obviously I mean, Broner caught, caught Sean with the sneaky, but I'm just calling it the sneaky. Because Sean was in kill mode and walked into one. When, when Sean is not ahead of him in fight and is not loosey-goosey and, and just out there just knowing he's going to win, I don't see these holes. So I'm wondering what they see to make him so confident. And to be clear, though, like, the interesting thing is it's not even Derek James, Errol's trainer. Derek is just like, Errol's going to win by whatever he says, he says he's going to win by. I was like, are you promising to knock out? He was like, no, that's Errol. It's like, <laughs> it's Errol. It is all Errol that is making these statements. And the thing about Errol, and it's like, he's this, and the, another reason why I compare him to Gennady is, um, Errol's like this great boxer, but it's, I don't want to disrespect Errol because I think Errol is pound for pound one of the best. I, th- I put him ahead of Terrence Crawford. I just, if he beats Sean Porter, he's ahead of Terrence Crawford. Period. But the thing about Errol that, that Floyd Mayweather would say, even though he, Floyd got hell from Errol Spence's sparring six years ago, that Floyd said about Gennady is he's straight up and down, no special effects. So, like, Vasily Lomachenko has, like, special effects. Roy Jones has special effects. Like, those guys are special in their athleticism. Errol's not really that guy. And it's not a bad thing. He's just extremely fundamentally sound. And, like, Manny Pacquiao's special effects. But Errol's not, and it's not a bad thing, but there's, like, you know, I'm, I'm So Floyd isn't special effects, he's straight up and down, and no, Errol's... Floyd is, straight, Floyd is special effects, really? defensive. Defense, I, I guess. You can't hit him. You couldn't hit Floyd. All those years, people struggled to hit Floyd, and he let go of that lead right hand. Like, there was, there was things that, were, that Floyd did that other fighters just clearly couldn't do. There's things that Vasily Lomachenko does that other fighters can't do. Errol doesn't do anything that fighters necessarily can't do. He just does everything extremely well. Like Patrick Mahomes is a special effects quarterback. He's doing shit we don't see. Tom Brady's not a special effects quarterback, but he's a winner. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what Errol is. Like he knows how to win. I'm just curious what happens when Errol's put in a position where he's not exactly sure he's going to win. And how does he, what, how does he adjust? I'd say it's a little easier to adjust when you're not the – the flashy one, right? Like Roy Jones, we saw, like, he, he was those special effects. When it started to dip and wane because athleticism went down, he had nothing else. 
Exactly. And then he got wrecked. So when you're a special effects guy and that shit starts to get fuzzy and you know you're you're outdated, you were HD and now these kids are 4K, you don't know what the hell to do. That confidence goes and you start to lose. When you're just when you're fundamentally sound, I don't know if you lose confidence cuz you always have an answer. Yeah, and, and to be clear like Floyd Mayweather is a unique case cuz he was special effects but he was fundamentally sound as shit. Yeah, that's yeah, if you said he's special effects on defense, fundamentally sound on offense. He was half yeah, just, and half. Half man, half amazing. Yeah, like he was completely, like, like defensively he was almost, he's one of the greatest defensive tacticians we've ever seen. But offensively he was just, clear, he was very sound. And, and Errol's very sound in the sense that, like, he doesn't do anything that's completely crazy. Like Roy Jones used to pull his head back because he was faster than everybody else. Like Errol doesn't do shit like that. I don't know, man. This is, I, th- I mean, this is a re- I've been looking forward to this fight for a long time. And now it's here and I'm like excited. Then the other thing happened today, which is, um, I don't know if this is the head games happening. Um, these two have been jawing at each other for a while. And today in the press room, uh, well, actually, we'll start yesterday. Derek James did an interview um, where Derek James said that Kenny Porter treats Sean Porter like trash. And if, it was basically the come to death row speech. <laughs> He was like, you know, if you know you want to be treated like trash, come over and I'll train you, right? Kenny took exception to that because he's like, that's not boxing no more. You're calling me as a father, trash. So Kenny saw Derrick James today and approached him. And he was like, we need to keep this boxing. And then Derrick James started stretching like he wanted to fight. And I'm like, the trainer's going to fight? <laughs> so I, I just, before we did the show, I was just heading over to the elevator. And I ran into Kenny and I'm just like, yo, what happened? He's like, I don't play that disrespect shit. He's like, this is boxing. We don't need to cross into like that kind of territory where you're questioning my parenting because that's my son. And in a way, I'm like, I wonder if this is head games. Because obviously, Sean loves his dad. And you piss his dad off, like, how is that gonna, how's that going to react with Sean? Like, things are getting dicey, man. Like, this hotel, man, being at, at, at this hotel in L.A. is like, <laughs> you can see, like, there's a lot of energy. Even the David Benavidez fight against Anthony Durrell. These two have just been talking shit to each other. And, and guys, if, you, if you're wavering on buying this pay-per-view, um, you shouldn't. If you bought other pay-per-views, buy this pay-per-view. It's a good like, card, top to bottom. It's, it's legitimately loaded. Like people, you That Benavidez fight, that, to me, that's the most competitive fight of the night. I don't know who's going to win that one. Uh, it might not be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, you I'm think Benavidez is... Yeah, I'm big on Benavidez. It's really about Anthony... Anthony um, Durrell has to punch Benavidez in the mouth in between one of those four punch combinations and make Benavidez think before he lets his hands go. If he doesn't do that early, he's going to get mowed the fuck down. Oh, you like Benavidez a lot lately. Like in the past year, you've been like champion. I mean, which is good. I I think he's that naturally talented. I just, I I still don't know. Like, all right, David Benavidez was sparring with uh Gennady Golovkin at like 16 like people forget he's only 22 he's been a pro for going on seven years now and he won a world title at 20 the WBC super middleweight title he had to give it up because the cocaine thing yeah. now he's back <laughs> just a little cocaine <laughs> thing yeah I just a little you. cocaine thing and it's like I like Anthony Durrell but back in the day Andre was the better fighter and Anthony's just been he's been good 
I just think, dog, like he talks about experience and being a dog, like ain't none of that's just going to save you from getting dragged. So hopefully that experience he's talking about is punching David in the mouth and making him think twice. Because if he doesn't do that, he's going to get dragged. But that fight's exceptional. Mario Barrios is on the card. Robert Guerrero's on like the Fox Yo, prelim. what is with that? Guerrero, this is his last shot. Like this yeah, he's, he wants to do it again. He just, he, I talked to him. He fell back in love with the sport, he said. No, I like it. No, I, I mean, it was just so random you know? when I saw him. I was like, okay. I was like, I, I completely forgot he was on this card. Yeah, like this card is loaded. Dude, um, uh, Jose Cito Lopez and uh, John Molina are fighting. On the prelims. They're going to murder each other. This is, this is the loser goes home match. This is the loser dies match. Like these two, they're known brawlers. This is going to be physical as hell. Like this fight is absolute. This card is loaded. This card is one of the best top to bottom cards of the year. And again, I work for the zone and I'm saying this shit. This is loaded. No, it really, really is. So that's going to be a fun one. Um, let's see what else is in the realm. Oh, well, we'll talk more about this depending on the outcome. But do you think Pacquiao or Bud Crawford are next for the winner of this fight, Spence Porter? Spence has made it very clear he wants to fight Pacquiao before he wants to fight Crawford. Very clear. Pacquiao's talking Mikey or Danny, so who knows? So here's what I think is going to happen. Because Errol absolutely wants Pacquiao. He told me that after the Garcia fight. The fight he wants is Pacquiao because his rationale is very clear. Yeah, I don't know how much longer Manny's going to be here. I need to fight him now because if I don't fight him now, I'm not going to get that legend on my resume. Yep. He, he might going, go away. He's going full Randy Orton, legend killer. Yeah. But on the other hand, he's like, he'll be there. He ain't going nowhere. And he's right. But ain't going nowhere. But ain't got nobody to fight, nothing to do. So, you know, when that, it, it, unless the weight becomes an issue for Arrow, he can fight Bud whenever he wants. And, and Porter's kind of said the same thing. He's just like, you know, I want to fight Manny Pacquiao. Everybody wants to fight Manny Pacquiao. The question is. The golden ticket. Does Manny Pacquiao want to fight either of them? I think Manny Pacquiao is going to fight Mikey Garcia. That's what I think is about to happen. And that's another winnable fight for him. Um, just because of the weight, not because of Mikey's talent. Yeah, I mean, 47. I mean, it's funny. They'll fight at 47, but both of them have proven to be better at 40 or even 35. Yeah, Mikey's definitely. But you don't want Mikey to be anywhere near comfortable. No, you want Mike to be a little pudgy. Yeah, you want to be bloated and slow if you can get there. No, yeah, I mean, Pacquiao obviously has more power at 140, but you give that up because yeah. you just want Mikey to be in a spot where, you know, he's not comfortable being. So that it's, it's interesting. They both have these choices, but yeah, Betty Pacquiao's the golden goose. So we'll see. We'll see if Errol Spence, a dominant performance by Spence. I don't know how Pacquiao gets in there with him. But, Dude, I don't, I don't think Freddie Roach wants to put Manny in there with, with Pacquiao, I mean with uh, Spence, and I don't think he really wants to put him in there with Porter either. But then again, you got to do what's best for business if you're PBC, yeah. and if you, once you sign Manny Pacquiao, you did it so you wouldn't make, uh, you know, the, honestly just the same mistake they made with Bud Crawford, where Bud should have taken Pacquiao out a long time ago. He would have been a much bigger star, even though he's a star already, but you know, he's number one pound for pound, he would have been treated like that right now. If he had that Manny Pacquiao win on his belt and he does it and that, you know, time has gone and passed because they waited too long. So this yeah, urgency is needed. They, they, I mean, you know, we'll probably talk, end up talking about Bud next week. I think they're going to get ready to announce his next fight. I, I, I think it might be Kell Brook. But that's where we're at with Bud Crawford right now. Fighting Kell Brook. This, like, PBC has all the cards right now in the welterweight division. Mm -hmm. Everybody. 
Bud has Bud. He's better fighting himself. There's nobody there. And somebody said on Twitter the other day, is Bud Crawford a Hall of Famer? I was like, yes. They're like, who has he fought? And I was like, there's worse Hall of Famers. Don't do that. Like, there's worse people in the Hall of Fame that haven't fought. Like, like he, he fought Victor Postal, whatever. Crawford fought Yuriokas Gamboa. He fought Amir Khan. But he's proven to be great. But yes, Bud is getting to the point now where it's like, well, fuck, man. Who are you going to fight? You can't. Kell Brook? Errol already destroyed his orbital bone. And so did Gennady Golovkin. There's nothing left but scraps with Kell Brook. What the hell is that going to do for Bud Crawford's career? He needs to demand for Bob Arum to cross the street. Now. <laughs> now. <laughs> no, that's true. It's, I mean, that's, that's the next logical step. And at this point, yeah, Errol Spence would be great, but you take anyone. Anybody. Get Danny Garcia. Danny. Me. Keith, when he comes back from hand surgery. Sean. I don't, you take anyone. Adrian Broner. Anybody. anybody. Fight somebody that Some, matters. Someone. Because you, you just got to, one... If it's not going to be spent, you then have to be ready and in position to play nice and play ball with both sides because all those belts are going to be vacated. And you have to make Bud Crawford the undisputed champion. He has to unify all the belts if Errol is gone. And you're only going to do that by playing nice with the other side. So you might as well start now. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, MMA... And this kind of wrestler show will kind of breeze past because until we get to wrestling. MMA, we had a fight this past weekend. Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens in Mexico. Man, it started off great. The place was packed. Had some good fights on the undercard. We come up to the main event and it ends abruptly because of an eye poke. Jeremy Stevens, which it really did look bad. He wasn't punking out. Yair was landing the cleaner shots. Maybe the leg kicks were getting there, but it was still too early. Like Jeremy Stevens in the punk. No, and no. that eye poke, it didn't look like he could keep his eye open at all. And people were thinking maybe because it's not cut or it's not swollen. Listen, if you can't open it, that's worse than everything. It's worse than the Tyson Fury. Because at least he could open it and see. Not being yeah. able to open your eye at all is rough. And so the fight had to be called... And that's where shit hit the fan. And Mexican fans were throwing in bottles and drinks and everything you could think. Everything damn near short of a chair went into that octagon and went towards press row. And then Jeremy Stevens was uh, being escorted out of the building and they're pegging him with trash and, and stuff that they had. It was a crazy scene. What was your thoughts on, one, the fight being stopped and then just the antics of the crowd and what is a, a sad thing, because Mexican fight fans are so passionate. Yeah, I mean, stay classy, Mexico. I mean, you should have done better than that. I know you're upset, but get over it. Shit, it's an eye poke. Yeah, you poked him in the eye. Finger poke. Eye pokes have been happening in MMA forever. And Stevens, you're right, is absolutely no punk. And they've rebooked this fight for Boston. So they're going to do it at UFC in Boston. Quick they're going to do it again. Which is good. Yeah, because Stevens doesn't want to wait. He wants to fight. Like, like anybody who thinks that J- Jeremy Stevens would try to find a way out of a fight has not watched Jeremy Stevens fight. He has entered the octagon to real motherfucking G's several times. He's a gangster. <laughs> yeah, he, he's living the gimmick. Yeah, leave that man alone. He is a gangster. He's, dude, he wants to fight. And Yair wants to fight. And now there's more bad blood because I heard those two almost got into a fight at the hotel in Mexico afterwards. Um, so good. Now we're going to have that fight, which is, which is good. But other than that, like, yeah, the fights were cool or whatever, but, man, UFC just needs to have better cards. 
Like it's just a lot of cards. So as, this, of course, it's too many. Like there's one this week. Like we'll segue into it. There's one this weekend that I'm not going to watch because I'm going to be busy with the Spence Porter fight and Bellator. And, and yeah, there's a Bellator card that's so much better. Like this Bellator card this weekend is really good, really good. Agreed. And it's like they're doing Jack Hermanson versus Jared Cannonier in uh, what the hell are they doing this fight? Sweden, something yes. like that. Yes, it's overseas. I should know this. I just had a meeting about this, but <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it's in Sweden. And like Let's half of that. the card, half of the card is don't have clickable names of Wikipedia, so that doesn't help. Um, Gunnar Nelson has a pretty good fight on here, though. Gunner, yeah, Gunnar Gunner has a... Uh, Gunnar has a fight. Uh, Round, Khalil Roundtree is on this card. Yeah, I mean... I, I didn't there's a top, couple uh, names. There's yeah. a, I mean, there's a few good fights, but it's just like... Like, there's a really good fight between Mark Casey and uh, Lando Venata that's on the, the super early prelims, which might end up being fight of the night because those two just have flashy striking styles. Casey over- felt quick, man. Dude, he did. Like, he was the hottest thing in the in lightweight division. They lost three in a row. And then he, I think he just got a win, so he's back in the win column. But, you know, two guys, I think they're like the second fight on the show. But you look at that car, and it's just like, all right, you know, whatever. Meanwhile, Bellator on Saturday night has a main event of Gegard Musasi, Leo, and Machida 2, which some people may not like, but whatever. It's two names. Then you have Pitbull Wait, versus Wait, that's the right? No, it's been moved to the main event. Oh, that, that's so weird. Over the title fight? Yeah, unless they make a la- another last-minute change, but that has been now being pegged as the main event. And then you have Archuleta and Pitbull. You have AJ McKee's on the card. Like, the Featherweight Tournament's getting started. Um, Darian Caldwell's on this card. Like, this card is loaded. Like, if you're an MMA fan and for some reason you don't like boxing and then you really just didn't listen to anything we talked about in, like, the first 30 minutes of the show, watch the Bellator card. It's... It's that featherweight Grand Prix tournament is got exceptional talent in there. AJ McKee alone, like I can't wait to see what he does. Dude, it's the first card because his dad's fighting on the same card, Antonio McKee. What? Yeah, it's Where? the first time a father and son have fought on the same card. Oh, he is a hundred sixty-five pound catchweight. Yeah, I was with, like I was I just before I, I came back here I was over at the Bellator like I'm pulling double duty like I'm. Doing Spence Porter, and then I'm going like five miles up to the Viacom building to do Bellator stuff. So yeah, uh, Antonio and AJ McKee are on the same card, and I was watching them today and listening to them talk shit. And I'm like, this is crazy. What a nice story for you to write. Look at that. That's good. Yeah, so they they're on the card. Like again, Darren Caldwell, who just had lost to Horiguchi, um, moves up in weight, fighting in the featherweight tournament, and then like this, like the fight of the weekend is truly in MMA. Pitbull versus Archuleta. Archuleta, man, people don't know. Archuleta was a four-division champion in King of the Cage. Four. Champ, champ, champ. Champ. <laughs> Word. I mean, that's... But Pitbull has looked so good. I'm just, Dude, I'm just saying. Archuleta has only lost one fight in his career. He destroyed Eduardo Dantes in his last fight. Didn't we think Pitbull was going to lose his last fight? That was the Chandler, though. I mean, that was a... Moving up in weight. Fight. Yeah, it was a 50-50 fight. So now you're at featherweight. You're fighting Archuleta, who is a fantastic wrestler. He wrestled at Purdue. An exceptional striker with heavy hands, even though he'd be a bad idea to get in a firefight with Pitbull. And this is the first round of the tournament. That's a first-round matchup. Insane. Like, that's... That's card is loaded. 
And even, and again, Gegard versus Machida is a rematch. Those two fought at the UFC in 2014. And Machida won on points, but Gegard came on strong late. And Gegard's been talking really greasy about Lyoto Machida for like the past two years, talking about he's a greaser, he failed a drug test, and he's been wanting this fight for so long. And then this week comes, and Gegard's like, if anybody's interviewed or seen a Gegard interview, Gegard is dry as hell during his interviews, but he has a dry <laughs> humor. And it's a very strange, dry humor. If you can watch my man James Lynch, uh, he did an interview where Gegard's playing like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on Nintendo. I love that series with James. Like, it's fucking It's one of the best things. James is good anyway for like interviews and everything else. Uh, he's been killing it everywhere. When I was at Fansided, he did like a bunch of shit. A uh, ton of great interviews there. This series is by far his best work. Yeah, and it's Gegard's just like, he's like, this fucking game sucks. And he's like very dry. But so this, like, this week he was like, it was like, well, how did training camp go? He's like, it wasn't my best training camp. And I love when guys say that. And he was like, why? He's like, because I didn't train that much. And so I was like, why? And I knew why. But I just, it was interesting to hear him say it. Because he was like, ultimately, it was about body maintenance. Ultimately, it was like, I overtrained for my last fight and I lost. So I'm going to train less, but I'm going to stay in shape and just work on, you know, what I, strategy. He's yeah. strategizing this fight. But the way he was saying it, people were like, he's not training. Oh, my God. You can see Gegard's like, fuck with everybody. But... That fight's a good fight. I mean, yeah, Machida destroyed Chael Sonnen, but whatever. Like, it's a good fight. And the winner, you know, Scott Coker, he didn't want to say it, but could fight Ryan Bader at light heavyweight. I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's not it's like, crazy. I mean, Machida, I could see it. Uh, Musasi? Dude, Gegard was a light heavyweight. Gegard was a light heavyweight. But he's going against a, a legit heavyweight. Like, it's yeah. Dude, well, I guess Gayard was 205 care. for a while. Yeah, Gayard doesn't care. It just seems it, like they're so much different, right? Like, it just... Granted, they were both there at one point, but Bader just seems so much bigger. I mean, Bader is huge. Like, let's be clear. Bader is a giant. Yeah, but, so... You know, it's, it's one of those weird things where, like, you got a big-ass guy who fought 205, and you got a guy who probably was smaller than everyone fighting 205. So it just seems like an odd clash. But we see Machida up there. We see... Um, Bader there, obviously. That'd be an interesting-ass fight. And that's a good yeah. good way to go, and especially if you have this as your main event. Bader has no one else to fight. Might as well give him someone at least still somewhat capable. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, Bader's not fighting for the rest of the year, it seems like. Coker had mentioned that he hasn't talked to Bader. You know, obviously the Congo fight ended on some bullshit, so maybe they'll rebook that fight. I don't know. Um, I need to see we'll Bader see. versus uh, We the People. I forgot his real name. Jack Swagger. <laughs> you know, just throw swagger into the wolves. Don't do that. You didn't get that man killed. He ain't ready for that shit. Listen, man, he ain't never gonna be ready. How old is swagger? Thirty six. You're him, right. Throw him out there. Maybe catch some Brock Lesnar lightning in a bottle. Nah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I guess they want to build him and then feed him to somebody. That's uh, it's cool. Feed, you know, build him up. He'll, he'll eventually lose. Whatever. <laughs> um, talk about Jack Swagger. Let's transition into pro wrestling. Perfect segue. And NXT for back-to-back weeks did good numbers. I think their televised portion was even better this week than it was the first week. So I really liked it. Keith Lee, Donovan Dijak match was nuts. And every time they get Dijakovic, the ring, Dijakovic, say his name right. I refuse. I refuse to say Dijakovic. Uh, no, Donovan Dijak and Keith Lee, <laughs> they have a five-star match in PWG from 2017. They're... Uh, they had a match four months ago on NXT before both got injured. They had a match three weeks ago on NXT when they both came back. 
now this as the televised portion. So this is like the end of the trilogy with Keith Lee finally getting the win over Dijak on NXT TV. I like where it puts Keith Lee. I think he would be perfect for one of the new um, managers that they brought in. I think, uh, what is it, Bivens now? Malcolm Bivens, I think yeah. is the name that they, they gave him. Uh, but yeah, Malcolm Bivens would be a good mouthpiece for him. Or Keith, uh, with this whole disrespected, kind of slow turn to the heel side right now, which I like, because I'm tired of like just a bland, I'm happy, I'm smiling black guy. Um, let him have some depth. Let him be a normal wrestler. And Keith is one of those guys. He, You know, Seth Rollins doesn't have a gimmick. Seth Rollins is just burning shit down. Like, it's time for black people not to have a gimmick. Like, we don't got to dance. We don't got to sing. For a second, Keith Lee was coming out and he was singing like Luther Vandross. Like, <laughs> no, like, just have, have no gimmick. Be upset. Be a big-ass dude who can do fucking Spanish flies and take Canadian destroyers off the top rope and get up. Yeah, why not? I'm yeah. with it. So I, I thought that match was really good. And then the street fight, which for a while, for a long while, wasn't a street fight. But it ended up as one. And uh, I thought that was really well done, too. And Matt, Matt Riddle looks like the star we all thought he was going to be when he first got there. And they've kind of just slow played him. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the right move. Because, you know, now you have two hours of television to fill each week. And you're about to take off. And we're about to talk about the counter-programming for next week. But this is a smart... I mean, they're so, so far so good for NXT. And like I said, I'm not surprised by this. I'm glad they're doing this. I just, you know, give me... Two months of this. Then we can talk. Because I just, please, Vince, just stay out of this shit. Yeah. You're, not, you're doing a good thing right now. As long as the numbers stay good, right? Like, yeah. listen, I implore everyone, just for the sake of good wrestling, please just tune into both for like three minutes when they both start and then stay on whichever one you want. As long as you tune in for three minutes, it counts. And you're good. And they both get their ratings and we're, and we're fine. And we can show that real wrestling sells. That's the biggest thing. Both companies, AEW, which we'll talk about in a second, and NXT, let's boost, just boost both of their stats through the roof so they know that sports entertainment isn't the only moneymaker. Dude, everybody keeps talking about, like, you know, fuck it, let's just talk about it. AEW's getting ready to premiere next Wednesday, and it's going to go head-to-head with NXT, and it's going to begin this, you know, we have five, almost five days a week of pro wrestling. Which is we do. unheard of. <laughs> What's the only off night? Thursday? Uh, what, 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 Impact's on Tuesdays now, right? Yes. So Impact's so, on yeah. Tuesday. And then Thursday, I guess you could say NXT UK? Uh, sure, why not? Yeah, they moved um, it to Thursdays. Yeah. Which so, is so, cool, and, I guess. So there's five days a week now. So it's so weird. There's so much wrestling that's about to happen that people keep talking about this war, but it's like, guys, just be excited there's so much wrestling. Because if you can't find what you like, then you just don't like wrestling. Word. Like if you, if you're gonna spend, like yes, there is going to be this little battle between WWE and AEW, more specifically NXT and, and AEW, that exists, and you can be critical of both brands and what have you, but you shouldn't want any of them to go away. This is the first time since the Monday Night Wars where there was more than one big dog in the yard, and yes, AEW is on TNT, so they're a big dog. And now Impact on Access, Impact may not be the big dog, but they still have really good shows. They're not a small dog necessarily. Nah. Like ROH is the small dog. Yeah, and, and, and Impact feels, is legit, and they got legit talent. They have a top three, 
female wrestler in the world right now. Yeah, Tessa Blanchard. I mean, they they put in, and I'm gonna start watching it again because it's too hard to find. I can only watch pay per views, so it's like now I watch it weekly. I don't know how and they're running through all of their pay per views over the next coming weeks to catch people up before they hit air. I was like, genius! I'm catching up on everything. Brilliant. And actually, while I'm here, because with Staples Center is next to the Access TV offices. And my my guy Sean, who does PR for Access, I, I can't wait to go see him because I'm I'm curious. Like, what's the play with Impact? Now you guys can like solicit interviews. You guys can because t- you know um, New Japan was on Access, so now you have Impact, and this is interesting. I want to see how they handle Impact. Are they going to try to make Impact a competitor, or are they just going to make it an alternative? Either way, it's just good for pro wrestling fans. So any pro wrestling fan that sits there and wants to shit all over AEW. Or just blindly shit all over any product. Just find something you like. Shut the fuck up. That's it. There's, there's a lot of good wrestling out there. And watch it. Listen, watch it all and then critique it. Because that, yeah. that's the best thing you do. Watch it. Like, if you want to watch both on Wednesdays or watch replay on Thursdays, give it its credit and then critique it. I don't care. You, I don't care if you trash it every week. But at least you're watching. You're showing the support. All interactions count on social media. Good, bad, or indifferent. So as long as you're sharing your voice, man, it, it helps these things. Let's just show that real wrestling matters. Because I'm yeah. tired of like, a, I honestly am tired of the cupcake, silly sports entertainment stuff. So, you know what? Let's show that now let's give, you know, NXT higher ratings than SmackDown even had on USA. Let's put yeah. that force behind it. So hopefully that's the direction that we're going with AEW and NXT. What are your expectations for this first AEW show? Oh, I think it'll be a really good show, but I don't really have, like, huge expectations. Um, See, because NXT is kind of putting out, or excuse me, not NXT, but NXT is too. They're they're loading that first, that card next Wednesday, but we've seen those type of matches on NXT television before. I feel like SmackDown and Fox is loading this kind of like a mini pay-per-view. AEW gave me that feel for a while, but when I looked down the card, I was like, yeah, it, it could have some mediocre matches. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, private party young bucks, by the way, is my highlight. Yeah, and that might, could be the match of the week, but we don't know. And the thing is, like, I get it with WWE, like, they're really, it's like their quote unquote season premiere, even though the season never ends. But they're stacking all these shows, right, yeah. with all these big matches. And I get it, but then on the same time, I'm like, you don't really have to do it like that. Like, three title matches on NXT to counter AEW. And then I guess the issue is, let's just say AEW blows NXT out of the water, which is not unheard of because AEW is a shiny new toy. And that might be what everybody watches, knowing good and damn well on Thursday you can just watch NXT on the network, Correct. which I think a lot of people will do. So I don't, I don't know. Like You don't have to stack your card like that. I, I, I mean, you could, you could have staggered it or something because I don't know. It, it just feels like there's a lot. That's there's a lot going on in WWE next week, and it could be great. It could it could all be all great. I'm not saying it's not. It just feels like a deliberate effort to try to offset what AEW is going to do. AEW is going to do numbers regardless because they're brand new. And I don't know if the, no matter how many title matches you stack on the card, I, I really wonder can't. how many numbers they're going to do. I mean, they've they've crushed it in far as far as promo. They put their money where their mouth is. They've yeah. put commercials on everything it's on youtube i can't click on anything on twitter without seeing AEW promos um with that being said though i i don't know if they do nxt numbers 
I think so. I the first know, show. I don't know if they crack a mill. No, I think they'll crack a million. I'd be. I'd actually be very surprised. I'd be surprised if they. I. I I'd say I nestle them at like seven fifty. Mm. Here's the reason why. One, all pro wrestling fans who have been you know doing the millions for, for NXT or the million for SmackDown or Raw, they're going to be curious about this show, this particular show. Because all the promo, and then you have the you have the jaded fans who are going to come back to wrestling for this show. So I think it'll do. I think it'll do a million. I don't think that's that's hard, because um, NXT is like NXT was is for the guys who like AEW, <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> like that's for them. So, but now you're taking people who don't who because there are people out there who refuse to watch WWE. Because they, they, they're no longer pro wrestling fans because of WWE. I know a couple of those people. So, yeah. so it's like they're going to tune into AEW because they want to see what the, the, the big deal is all about. So I think AEW does fine. Now, the, the, the question is, again, two months from now, can you keep storylines going? Can you keep my interest? I, I want to see how they handle that. Um, but it's a lot of wrestling. Or is it? Or is it going to be a lot of talking? I don't know what it's about to be. But I'm, I'm here for it. But I, th- I definitely think they do over a million for that first week show. They, and if they don't, oh, shit, well, you need to figure out something because they didn't spend a lot of money on promotions. And not even AEW. This is TNT. TNT is back in the wrestling business. So they're not, they're not trying to fail. They're everywhere. Word. Shit. They had an AEW promo in the middle of NXT. Yeah. And in uh, Monday Night Raw. They put it everywhere. Yeah, everywhere that playing. they can purchase it, they've, they've done it. They've done it during the football games. They, they've really pushed it. Hard, and it's only going to continue when basketball starts up. So yeah. it's it's a good spot. We'll see if the promo pays off. And even listen, I don't care. The numbers will have to be high the first week. The quality and the match quality. We'll see if it lives up to expectations um, coming forward this week. And then we have and we touched on it. SmackDown Live and Raw season premieres. Raw, whatever. But SmackDown's <laughs> getting a, a facelift and going to Fridays. Which has been the death spot, but Fox is counting on that this can be different, and we shall see. New commentary teams for both, so we're getting Graves just on SmackDown. Um, SmackDown gets the A commentary team. It looks yeah. like it's probably going to have a two-man booth because Renee is getting the Tuesday show now. So Ray is, Renee is just listed as a correspondent. This is weird. Um, I love two man boots, so let's get back to that. Uh, the Monday night one is weird as hell, though. Yeah, that's it's kind of weird because all right, this is my opinion. Fridays suck, and SmackDown the first Friday is going to be great. It might taper off because who the fuck is sitting at home looking for pro wrestling on Friday night? Tuesdays are great. It's middle of the week. Like even us, we can talk about it like later in the week because I don't have to necessarily watch it that night. But if I'm rolling into the weekend. And if I am got something else to do, I'm not sitting at home watching pro wrestling. No. No. So, I don't know where I'm going to watch it, but no, nah, yeah. I, if I got something to do on a Friday, then yeah, I'm out. Yeah, like I was just with the Bellator guys, and a lot of the Bellator guys are pro wrestling guys. And they said the same thing. They was like, ah, it's kind of weird because on Friday night, you know, Fridays we're getting ready for our shows and we're doing things. And it's like, who sits around looking for wrestling on Friday nights? And it's a, it's a legitimate concern. And they're pull, pulling all these resources into the – to the SmackDown. So if Smack, this is where the domino effect happens. So it's, they put all these resources in the SmackDown. Let's just say, because the draft is coming up as well. Yeah. Let's just say Becky and, and Roman go to SmackDown and SmackDown still doesn't do good numbers. 
it's a domino effect that'll affect both Raw and NXT as well as SmackDown. We'll start shuffling pieces. Vince will start panicking. All kinds of shit will start yeah, happening. Emergency call-ups. And, and I don't think the issue, and it, I don't know if they even know it, but the issue isn't necessarily the talent or the commentary team. The issue is Friday nights. Yeah. And the issue is the booking. Let's just be real. If it was well, that's, amazing quality, then yeah, maybe we would tune in and go out at 10 o'clock. And even that's still amazing. It's, that's still amazing. Because even I'll sit there and I go, yeah, I'll TiVo and watch it on Saturday morning. Yep. I think TiVo's count for they analytics, do. though. So, I mean, but the, even then, like, yeah, you, you have to put out a product people want to tune into. It's not just, oh, it's Tuesday, I'm bored, let me watch. Which is what it has been. It's like, yep. oh, it's Tuesday, I'm bored, there's nothing on TV, I'm going to watch this. No, now you have to make people want to go out there and watch. So, that'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. And by the time we record this show next week, it still won't be on air. But we'll be looking more into the card that they're putting out. Some of the people there um, going to parade out there. Some of the veterans. And I don't know, man. This Monday night, they're parading Hulk Hogan out there. So his yeah. ass got booed on the last show. Yo, I mean, yeah. Before we, There's two things I want to touch on. One, I just want to say this thing about New Japan real quick. The Juice and Thunder Liger unmasking was fucking fantastic. Incredible. And shout out to uh, Justin... Justin Ivy, friend of the podcast, for highlighting all the historical values that it had, and it's only happened three times before with this zombie yeah. Jushin Liger character. The, yeah, this Kishin Liger thing just like I watched it, and I was like, oh shit, because I knew they did it one time, but I wasn't really watching back when the they did it like in '97 or something like that. And the fact that they're doing it now, right before he's about to retire, oh, it's exceptional. So that's great. The other thing I want to touch on. When we talk about booking, we talk about Raw, we talk about SmackDown, Hell in Cell's around the corner. The overexposure of The Fiend is in full effect. This is too much. They're going to have to back off. No, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. One attack a week. I, I would like what? either an attack or the funhouse. I don't need both, but I'm okay That's with That's my both. problem. I'm okay like, with my, an attack. There's, there's two issues. One, you don't need to do the Firefly Funhouse and the attack. I don't need to see The Fiend that much. Two, to be fair, one is Bray Wyatt, one is The Fiend. Fucking whatever, it's the same thing. It's the, not the same thing, and that's what bothers me. If they referred to it as The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, one more fucking time, I'm throwing my shoe through the television. Just call dude, him The Fiend. Treat it as two separate characters. Yeah, but people aren't stupid. We all know Bray Wyatt's The Fiend. But anyway, regardless, the Firefly Funhouse is great. I don't need the attack. Pick one. Don't. I don't need two segments of Bray Wyatt. Keep him as more of a mystery. Two... The end of Raw was terrible. That Seth Rollins screaming shit, yacht man, listen. And people were defending. My mentions were on fire because I said they were making the champ look like a chump. They're like, oh, because he's putting over a new talent? You don't no. want to see anyone succeed. If, if Seth fought back, you would say they're burying, burying the Fiend. I was like, no, have the Fiend beat the hell out of him. But have your champion at least stand his ground. Him quivering in a corner and yelling is ridiculous. Dude, the yelling. I mean, dude, the yelling. Come on, guys. Your champion is yelling in fear. Meh. I don't, come on. Like, Might as well be crying, Dre. Might as well be that, crying. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, you've already, whether it's Seth Rollins' fault or the writer's fault or whoever, Rollins has been extraordinarily corny as a babyface. Like, he's just, his promos haven't been really good. You know, fighting, persevere. Man, they're stupid. 
But then you have him yelling in the Seth Rollins voice because of the fiend. It's like, this is dumb. I don't need him to yell. Just beat him up and leave. I don't need him to be scared of the fiend. It just and it's putting over the character. No, the characters that that's being put over is a guy who's squashing people right now. It's not a character because nobody's been scared. They've been attacked. Foley got attacked. Angle got attacked. Bra- uh, Braun got attacked. Finn got squashed. None of them were scared of the Fiend. But now your champion, who just fought Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman, is scared of this guy? Come on. It's corny. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. The Fiend has got himself over. You don't need yeah. your champion to weaken himself and put him over even further. Like, just let it happen organically and it won't look ridiculous but it's wwe so that's what we see and we get a champion yelling and screaming and if that hell in a cell match lasts longer than five minutes it makes no damn sense because the guy was just screaming and crying (laughs) so he just grew a sack overnight one week one week is what it took for him to get over the scariest man on the planet and decide you know what i want to kick his ass it's too much, man. Great storytelling. Um, now, that's our show for today, though. Next week, we have a packed show. Again, we'll recap everything that's happening this weekend, and we'll preview UFC from or UFC that's going down in Australia. One of my favorite main events of the year is coming up. So Whitaker versus the style bender Adesanya. That's going to be one hell of a fight. So tons to talk about next week. Make sure you guys follow us on all platforms at the corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hell. We appreciate you guys. Until next week, we're out. Peace. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.